This is episode number 111 of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. We're so excited to have you with us on this episode of To Birth and Beyond. I'm Jessie Mundell, mom, kinesiologist, and fitness coach to pregnant and current moms. And I'm Anita Lambert, mom, pelvic health, and orthopedic physiotherapist with a focus on women's health. On the show, we provide information and education on fitness, the pelvic floor, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and women's health. We offer a brave space to have candid and vulnerable conversations on the struggles and joys of motherhood, including all aspects of our physical, mental, and emotional health. While you're listening in, please remember that the information on the show is not meant to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Please speak with your medical provider for all things related to your healthcare. We're so excited to have you. Let's dive into today's show. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of To Birth and Beyond. It's Jesse Mundell. And Anita Lambert. This topic comes by popular request. We have gotten so many messages from you all saying that you want Anita and I to talk through our businesses more and to tell you exactly how they are structured, how we began our businesses, what maybe a day in the life looks like or a week in the life looks like for us in terms of our professional world. And I'm sure we'll talk also about how we manage this as well as being whole people of our own and then moms and partners too. So let's get right into it. We'll back up. So before becoming fully self-employed, Anita, what did your professional work look like then? Yeah, I think this is a great question because um, that I think sometimes as our own professional, we kind of forget other people outside our profession don't always know. So self-employed, so technically the last three years I've had my own clinical practice, um, but the seven years before that, so I graduated over 10 years ago from physio. Um, initially when I graduated, I worked at two different clinics. I was actually self-employed at one and employed at the other. So you can be self-employed and work at a clinic. Um, so I thought I would bring that up because I think a lot of people don't know that. Um, so I did that. And then, and then I transitioned to the one clinic and became self-employed. So basically since my second year of graduate, I've been self-employed, but I did work for a number of years at other clinics being self-employed. Um, so yeah, even with that, just working, I would say for me, the difference is working for another clinic versus working for myself. That's more where the difference is. Um, and I feel like back then, I'm like, social media really wasn't uh, a thing, especially for like physios or health professionals, even fitness professionals. It wasn't like 10 years ago, like not really, um, wasn't really a thing. So like really it was like seeing my clients during the day, lots of charting, um, and uh and yeah and then kind of like researching things and looking things up outside of seeing clients and then taking tons and tons of postgrad courses so that's kind of what it looked like for me before i started um my own practice and then even as i was transitioning so um the last clinic i was at which was a focused women's health clinic uh when we lived in toronto and then i was pregnant with pippa and we knew um, we wanted to transition and move up here to Peterborough when we started our family. So when I got pregnant with her, we knew that was going to be happening. Um, but even at that point at that clinic, um, I was doing a lot of the things to set myself up for the transition. We were moving to Peterborough. We actually did not know anyone here. We knew 
my husband is from a town not too far away from here, but most of his friends were in that town and not in Peterborough. Um, so when I was in that clinic, like in Toronto, I really, you know, connected with so many other health and fitness professionals. My big thing was creating a team of support for my clients. So it wasn't really about going out and promoting me. It was really about connecting with these other professionals um, for support for my clients at that clinic. And that's exactly what I did when I, before I came up here, I did the same thing um, that I reached out because I wanted to have that team of support up here. So basically at that clinic, um, being self-employed at that point, I was doing a lot. I was on social media a lot at that point. That's actually Jess and I feel like started connecting around then on social media um, and did lots of workshops. And basically all of like majority of my client, new clients coming into that clinic were from outside things I was doing, workshops, connecting with professionals. Um, so that was kind of like my journey of being employed versus self-employed, but even to, to see how things change over the years, being self-employed and working for another clinic, it is very different now than what it was when I first graduated. Um, so yeah, what about you, Jess? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had similar trajectories in a lot of ways. So I worked at multiple gyms, personal training clients, doing some group classes for, I was trying to think when you said 10 years since you graduated physio school. Yeah, I graduated, yeah, with my bachelor's degree in 2009 and then my master's in 2010. So same-ish as you, right around there. So yeah, in that 10, that 10 year period from then until now, the first say, five years after that really was personal training full-time at multiple gyms. And like you, it was a contractor situation and self-employed at some of those different places, just dependent on the gym. So we made a few moves. So I went from Kingston, Ontario to Vancouver and then Edmonton and Calgary. And that last move from Edmonton to Calgary, I was working full-time at a gym with clients. And I knew that we were going to be making that move to Calgary. So similar to you from Toronto to Peterborough. And it's just so painfully sad to build up this whole practice and this whole roster of clients or patients, and then to fully leave it and know you're going to be rebuilding from the bottom up. So I knew that was going to be happening on that move. So probably about six months, eight months before that, online training was starting to become a thing, online fitness coaching. So I started to blog. I started to guest post for other organizations, corporations. I started to train clients online and that built up slowly, but it was kind of like you said, at this start of social media with more health and fitness professionals being on social media and this even becoming a thing where you could reach communities outside of your local small community. So that's kind of what happened with that move from Edmonton to Calgary. I started to build more of my business online. So I went from full-time personal training. I would come home at... 8 p.m. at night from training clients all day. And then I would work on the online part of the business for another two to three hours at night, get up at 5 a.m. the next day, train clients from 5.30, 6 a.m. till 8. 
And I did it over and over again for months leading up to that move. So by the time we made that move, I did have probably 10 to 20 online clients that I was working with and then had other kind of smaller projects and programs in the works. So by the time we got to Calgary, I didn't have to personal train full time. And I probably only did five to 10 hours per week of client work in person for the next year and a half. And then Steel was born and I stopped working with people in person entirely at that point. So four and a half years ago has been the last time that I worked on a consistent basis with people in person and just have grown my online business since then. So I've been fully self-employed since 2015. But again, contract situation at a gym for a couple of years before that. Um, so yeah, the lines are a little bit blurry, but since 2015, fully online and doing much more uh, in line with the work that I do today. So Anita, what are the services that you offer in your business? Mm -hmm. So with my in-person practice here in Peterborough, so I see clients, everyone is one-on-one -on -one. Um, and I do, so pelvic and ortho. Um, and I always find it interesting talking that way because I, so my first half of being out of school, I did pure ortho. I did not, um, I didn't have pelvic and in the internal pelvic side in my practice. Um, so adding pelvic, um, I just feel like it's ortho, but internal, or some people call it ortho, but in a cave. And that's essentially what I look, I don't, I don't distinct it like between the two. I'm always looking at the whole person. So um, with the clients who do see me, I would say majority are pregnant or within the first 10 years postpartum. I do see some people who are going through um, fertility challenges or planning to become pregnant. Um, and then also some who are past that 10 years um, of postpartum, but majority is pregnancy in that early postpartum time. Um, and pretty much everyone is coming in with a pelvic health concern or symptom or have been told by everyone else go learn about your pelvic floor even though they're not having symptoms so pretty much 100% are coming in with that but then also people have on top of that other orthopedic issues that um, I address as well and um, my final clinical placement for physio I actually went to Australia at a clinic and it was a Pilates based physio clinic and the first clinic I worked at in Toronto um, and worked there for five years was also a Pilates based physio clinic so that's always been in me and a part of my practice so um, in Peterborough here I also have a reformer Pilates reformer so if anyone's familiar with Pilates um, so I do do clinical Pilates as well with certain clients depending on what their needs and goals are um, so that's really what my in-person practice looks like and right now my practice is located within a yoga studio um, they actually offer yoga and Pilates and HIIT training lots of different fitness options um, and it's just yeah, it's a great compliment to what I do with clients. So that is what um, my services look like in person. And then recently I launched my Bump to Birth online course, which was super exciting. Had a great time with the beta group uh, program who went through it, a uh, group who went through it of expecting moms. And then now there's been more people joining since I launched it in January. And so that's kind of an online side to uh, my practice. So that's also another component. And then doing the podcast and social media 
those aren't necessarily services, but I do consider them all a part of um, kind of my branding or in terms of that bring into the, the clinical side or clinical resources. And um, I just love sharing tips and helping people uh, through those stages of life. Yeah, and totally is. such. It's such a key part of your work to be visible on social media at this stage of the game. Yeah, and I love hearing about all those things. And I will say too that your bumped birth online course, we've had three of my clients, at least three, recently mm-hmm. go through it and give birth very recently, one just last week. And they have all had such incredible birth experiences. It makes me so happy reading their birth stories. Oh, I love it. Okay. So my services, I have similar to you, you have your in-person and your online. And I kind of have two categories too, which are pregnant postpartum people and then professionals. So the services that I offer for general population are basically all people who are in stages of pregnancy, postpartum, and parenthood. So I have a DIY or a do-it-yourself course called Core Plus Floor Restore. And that I launched in 2014, which is wild. It is, it has gone through so many iterations of the programming to be what it is today. It is an eight-week core and pelvic floor recovery program that we encourage people to go through early postpartum or if they are having any core and pelvic floor concerns and they are later postpartum. So people do that on their own. They purchase the program, they go off, they do it in their pajamas, in their living room or in their bed. Very basic, easy to follow. Kind of think of it as the foundation for getting back to all the fun or more intense exercise postpartum, but also just helping people feel really good, comfortable, capable in their bodies. And then to Strong and Beyond is a 12-week workout program that is more intense in nature compared to Core Plus Floor. It is like a traditional strength training program. So people are working out two to four times a week in strength and conditioning type workouts. And within that program, we have three levels of exercise programming level one, level two, and a pelvic pain option. So people can kind of pick and choose whatever exercise modification works best for them within the 12 weeks of the program. And again, that's more of a DIY. So people purchase and then they go do the workouts at home or at the gym. That doesn't involve coaching for me. So the one aspect of my business that I do coach in, the only aspect is to pregnancy and beyond. And that is my online membership program. So people sign up for monthly or six month memberships with us. And there's a prenatal track and a postnatal track. Anyone who signs up when they're pregnant comes into the prenatal track and they do workouts specifically geared to pregnancy that are largely strength training based in nature with some interval training as well. And if anyone is postpartum who is joining us, they go into the postnatal track. And we have had people who have been in that program the entire duration of it, four and a half years since I first launched it. So they are doing postnatal workouts for the last four and a half years, but it just continues to progress. So their workouts maybe 
don't look like what you think postnatal workouts would look like. It looks very different for the people who are, say, six weeks postpartum versus six years postpartum and the types of workouts that they are working on. So that is the program that I actively coach in. We have a private Facebook group and I'm in there almost daily answering questions, checking in, and again, actively engage with those people. I used to offer one-on-one coaching and it's something that I will start to offer again in 2020, but I've taken about four years off from it. Just given the nature of two pregnancies and two small kids, the group coaching model has been the better fit for my life. So then the second category of stuff that I do is for health and fitness professionals. We have the Postnatal Fitness Specialist Academy, and that is a online certification course for fitness health and professionals who want to learn how to best work with postpartum people in exercise and in a pelvic health informed way. So that is fully online. And then what I also just started over the last six months, so from September 2019, is a one-day in-person workshop called Postnatal Fitness Specialist Live. And we've offered that in three cities so far, and we'll do at least another two cities in 2020. We have Vancouver, British Columbia coming up on May 24th, and then hoping for Ottawa likely in September or October 2020. And that's been super fun to get in front of people and in real life with people, especially on the professional side to really talk shop and go through a lot of the the stuff that's on the online version of the course, but bring it to in person. All right. So what does a typical work day or maybe and or work week look like for you? Yes. Um, I was thinking of this and it just, it definitely has changed since having kids and between one and two kids. Um, because, uh, so I'm in the clinic three to four days a week. And, um, so in the morning it's getting up, getting everyone ready, getting the kids off to daycare, heading to work. Um, and usually I do get to work before I see clients. Um, I'm going through preparing charts for the day um, and uh, and then seeing clients charting in between when possible and charting while I'm seeing them. But then often you are spending and any physio is listening. You totally know what I'm talking about. Um, there is a lot of charting that happens afterwards. And I know um, being here in Canada versus U.S. or other places in the world, things are different. I feel very strongly that I want to be able to offer the best support to my clients. Uh, Initially was um, basically I would email them soon after their initial appointment with a bit of a summary and then sending them their their exercises. So after every follow-up appointment, if anything changed, I was emailing them those appointments or those exercises the same day. I now use a program called Embodia, which is amazing. And, um, was co-founded by a physio I went to school with, which is like super exciting that just to see how she's taken off in the tech world. Um, And so along with the charting, now what I do for exercises is I have to go in, create a file, choose the exercises, add written notes, and then send it to them. And then they have access to those exercises through email or through a free app. Um, So all of that does take time. And so I think a lot of people don't realize how much we actually spend on paperwork. I, 
And then also because I'm running my own practice and it currently is a solo practice. So I'm doing other emails. Um, I do have a scheduling system, online schedule system, which I love. Um, and my charting is done online, but yeah, there's a lot of emails and connecting things and, um, all the things involved with running your own practice. So that all gets done usually after I'm seeing clients and then it's off to pick the kids up from daycare. Um, or if my husband does, then it's, I'm heading home and then our evening routine starts. So those are definitely packed days. Um, and then at night after Jack, so my one-year-old when he's in bed. So for example, right now we're doing a podcast. Um, and other times I'm not other times then I'm doing, if I need to finish some charts from the day or I'm writing emails, um, for my email list or I'm doing social media posts or I'm making videos or I'm planning for videos. So evenings definitely have, um, uh, the, you know, professional side of my life definitely takes up evenings. And so that is kind of a constant juggle of trying to figure that out. So I do have time for other things, but right now my evenings often do get the professional work side of my life. Mm -hmm. Do you, what do you do about weekends? So weekends I do, I don't do work emails, um, on the weekends, but sometimes there is work involved. So especially with leading up to the launch of my course, there was quite a bit over this past year, my mat leave. Um, I think some people thought maybe I was just out of the clinic. So I was like, not in work mode. Um, but I was working on that program pretty much every single day from when Jack was three months old until I launched it in January. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's just kind of a constant. There's always, always something. Um, but yeah, on the weekends now it's usually focused on family time, but sometimes I will try to fit in an hour or two of work here and there if I can, um, if certain things need to be done before the following week. Mm hmm yeah, I think that's important to note. It's 8.30 for you, 8.30 p.m. for you, 6.30 for me. So your kids are in bed right now. We'll finish this up maybe by 9 p.m. your time, but then you'll probably do some more work after, right? Yeah, yeah. I do. I've got a couple things I need to get done before I'm back in the clinic tomorrow. So yeah. Yeah. Do you set a hard curfew or not? I know you do, which I think is great. And honestly, Jess, when I saw you do that, I was like, oh my gosh, I need to do that. But I think you started doing that and it was a month before I was going to release my course. So <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's not happening. I can, I, I was not in bed at 10 o'clock for sure. Um, but lately I keep toying with like trying to get it closer to 10 o'clock. I'm not there yet. Um, but that would be a great goal. Okay. So for me, I, we now have three mornings slash days of childcare. So Theo, the youngest goes to day home from 8.30 AM till noon. We pick him up at noon, bring him home. He usually naps from 12.30 till 2 PM and Steele will stay at day home from 8.30 AM till 4.30 PM. So three days a week, that's kind of what our life looks like for that chunk in the morning when Theo is at day home, that is my work time. The most amount of work time I have in one chunk throughout the week. So I can usually get tons done then. 
am usually up at 6 a.m. to get an hour, an hour and a half of work in before the kids are up. Steel is usually up before that, but I just turn the TV on for her. That is something that I don't try to fight at all anymore. She just comes down. I'm on my laptop. She turns the TV on. It's a good time for everyone. <laughs> and then most days I will work for maybe an hour at nap time, sometimes only 30 minutes, just depending on if other stuff needs to happen at that time. But usually something is happening work-related at nap time for Theo and then similar to you in the evening basically from 8:30 to 9:30 p.m. is another chunk of work of some sort. I have that 10 p.m. curfew now that I have been a little lax on the last week of this launch, but it was the first launch I've ever done where I was for sure lights out at 10:30 every night. That is the first time that has ever happened and you know what things are fine. Things went fine. But like you said, this wasn't a program that I had created from scratch. And when you are creating a program from scratch, launching it for the very first time, that is a whole beast of its own. Especially when you're working in person, in person with people on top of that. I mean, you're probably going to bed at like midnight, right? Pretty much. Pretty yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's so much effort that people, if you haven't launched an online course, you don't know all the moving parts that go into that, and it is so, so much. So my work time consists of tasks like checking in and coaching clients in R2 Pregnancy and Beyond monthly membership. It is planning social media posts and content it is planning for the next program launch. So at the time we're recording this, a launch that I am doing for Two Pregnancy and Beyond closes tonight. And I'll probably chill for the next few days. And then it's going to be immediately into planning the next launch for the Postnatal Fitness Specialist Academy, which will happen at the end of April. And truth be told, this is actually kind of tight timing to be going into this launch in less than two months. I would like to have more time, but we don't. So that's when it will be. So we have a lot of work to do between now and then to getting everything up and running. And that program has been running for three and a half years now. So there's just a ton of behind the scenes stuff that has to happen for that. Um, like you said, Anita, recording podcasts, planning for the podcast, we will be scheduling with guests, writing the script for interviews, getting our thoughts together, doing research on potential guests, planning emails, writing emails, all, all the stuff that goes into these businesses will happen during that work time. I, along with my 10 p.m. curfew that I now have for myself, which has been almost three months now, I think. I have really tried to tighten up my social media boundaries over the last few months too. Since January, I think around the beginning of January, I stopped logging onto social media on the weekends. So from either Friday night or early Saturday morning, if I need to make a post for whatever reason, then I log off until Monday Monday mid-morning or Monday afternoon. So I try to get 48 hours of time off social media every single week. 
And that has been really nice for feeling like I'm not on this hamster wheel of content creation. So I know that I can make posts, show up online for five days, and then get two full days off to just be able to think really and have that white space for creativity and showing up and posting on social media because that is a key part of the work that I do. And then really just trying to watch my social media use throughout the day as well. I was, before I set my time PM curfew and tightened up on my social media boundaries, I was waking up and looking at my phone immediately every morning and like logging into Instagram, seeing if I had messages that I could answer quickly right then, or if there were messages on Facebook from clients that I could check in with. And I have stopped doing that. So I really don't check my phone until usually at least after 10 a.m. or if I'm solo with the kids that day until nap time. So like 1 p.m. And that has been very, very nice too. And it took me a long time to get there though. I for sure was checking in with social media dozens of times per day, some days. Um, And now I check in maybe three times a day if I'm not in launch mode. So that's kind of the typical work week and day for me. We have those three mornings of childcare that are more focused and then it's fitting everything in kind of around that. Like you said, it's, it's all available time feels like it gets filled right now. And that is not quite how I want to feel, but we'll get to that in a second. So tell me, what do you love about owning your own business? Yeah. Um, I would definitely, yeah, there are many things I felt, um, the last clinic was out in Toronto. Like I just really felt going off on mat leave, making that transition. It was just the ideal time. I felt I was ready to do that. I was transitioning to also going back to work after having our first. So being able to choose my hours, my clinic hours, um, I never was a big fan of working evenings. And as a physio, especially when you first graduate, I would say I definitely, it was mainly days, but there would be some days where I would be working more into the evening. Um, and being in Toronto, um, even just like the commute, it was always like an hour. It doesn't matter where you are, where you live, where you work. It's like always an hour um, on transit to get home. So um I just, that was something I was definitely, I'm like, when I have my own practice, I am not going to be working evenings and I have not, and I've never worked weekends in clinics either. They've, that's never been, um, something that the clinic owners have ever wanted. I've always worked for health professionals, um, either physios or there was one clinic that was owned by an AT and a Cairo. Um, but the two main ones I was at were both owned by physios and weekends were never something, um, that we, uh, we were asked to do. Um, and that remains. Um, and I just, I feel that's, that's time for my family, for me, even before kids, I was like, that was for me, that was for me and uh, my husband. So yeah, so ours has been a big thing that I love. Um, however, then what we were just talking about that there's often work outside of those hours, but at least clinic hours with clients, I was able to really choose. Um, And then also just even making the decisions about anything to do with the clinic, um, how I want uh, 
like the brand of my clinic to be represented, um, whether you're making pivots or like changes, like I get to make those decisions. Um, and just the environment I'm in, being able to make that decision. The clinics that we're in were all great and they were all kind of a bit different in their like own weather design or what was available. But I also really love design. And also with, when I added public health, there was definitely a shift too in clients I saw. And I see people, um, some people who've really gone through the medical system um, but I really wanted to work in an environment that did not feel medical um, and so that they could really feel more at ease. And that is where I am right now. And I love it. Um, when you walk in, it does not look like a typical like physio clinic, physio space. The studio is stunning. Um, and so I think it really puts people at ease. And then also where I am too is very, um, because there are so many young moms and young parents who come through with their little ones it gets very baby friendly but you don't feel like you're in playland like it's a very adult space but having your baby there like it's got everything you can need um so especially with the population i work with it's um it's awesome so i'd say that's also a big part um of uh of why i love having my own and yeah i think it's just making the decisions that everything is like i get to decide um that it's not so much when you're at a clinic there, you can make recommendations, you can make suggestions, even when you're, maybe you're the one that's seen clients the most often and you see where things can be better, but ultimately it comes down to the clinical owner if they want to make those changes. So I definitely like being able to, to do that where I am now. Yeah, I love that. Mm -hmm. I was going to ask you, what time mm -hmm. do you usually get to the clinic in the morning and what time do you yeah. leave? So usually I'm there from eight till five. Um, but yeah, I'm not seeing clients eight till five. Um, and I know some people have even been like, why do you get to the clinic or like before I usually will start seeing clients at nine and they're like, why are you getting there at eight? And I'm like, there are a number of things to do to set up whether I'm usually the first one in the studio, but to set up the clinic space, but also, yeah, going through charts and preparing for the day. I've, I've always appreciated if I've seen a health or fitness professional, then when I come to my appointment, they remember things and they know kind of what we did last time, what they already have a plan set. They're going to check with you about the plan. Um, they remember my kids' names, like all of these things. So I, I don't know, I just, I really want that for my clients. So they come in and like, I've already looked through what I planned for them after our last session. I always make note of what I want to do we go over that. So it's like, boom, we go right into things. It's not about going through past stuff again. And what were we going to be working on? So just for me, I would rather take that time and, and prepare because I think that's offering my clients the best experience. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. They're so lucky to have you. That is so similar to Gail Hume, my public PT here in Calgary, how she works too. Like I can tell it's very similar processes and the values that you share. Hope everyone can find a pelvic physio like both of you. So similar for me, I love the flexibility that it creates in my life. That has been so important to me over the last, again, five years of pregnancy and postpartum. It became wildly important to me during that first pregnancy 
because I was so sick all day long, every day, and showing up for in-person clients was really, really hard. And I was so thankful at that time to not be working 12 hours a day in a gym. I don't know how I would have survived that. So yes, owning my own business, the flexibility that it lends to my life and how well it suits my energies, especially as an introverted person and a highly sensitive person. It's really interesting for me, even now, if I go into a commercial gym space, just the noise and the lights and all the talking and the weights clanging. I'm like, how did I do this for almost a decade? It blows my mind. But I couldn't, I like literally couldn't talk after I got home from shifts at night. Like couldn't talk to Randy, had to be quiet. It was just so much energy happening in my brain. So that's a big one for me too. I love, like you said, with the design aspect, we're designing things online. We get to have this aspect of creativity that I love so much. Like you're literally creating these products into the world that people are going through. And that is so fun to be able to do. For me, working online is also such a gift because I have been able to reach people globally. And that again, has just been so neat to be able to reach all these different people in all these different circumstances. The level of access that we're able to provide is really, really important too. And then the other thing, and that I hope will continue and happen over the next couple of years for me too, is leading. So being able to have members on my team and leading the direction of where we want to go and creating this thing together is an aspect that I also really enjoy and I think will kind of be the next step of what I start to develop in my own self as a leader in my business. Let's talk about the challenges. We kind of already mm-hmm. touched on a couple, but what do you find to be the challenges with running your business? Yeah, I would say, yeah, something we had talked about is the, the amount of time you spend on the charting and the admin work um, and that side, which is like, not really why we got into our profession. Um, and so I find that to be challenging. And then I guess the, the, with the question with running your own business is there is just more because there's always other admin tasks on top of that to make sure your practice continues running. Um, And so that has been something I've been looking to take on some help with. And um, so, yeah, that's definitely something I'm looking forward to over this year is having a bit more help with that kind of through someone through contract, like on contract, being able to help with some of the the admin and the email side of things. And then also I'd say the challenge, and it will be different depending where everyone's coming from, because I really felt like, again, some people thought maybe the timing wasn't great in terms of like transitioned into motherhood the same time I was transitioning into owning my own business. It just seems to be how stuff works out for me. I kind of tend to pile things on all at once, but I just, it felt like the perfect time in so many other ways. And, and then in the same respect, it's like, you can't wait for the perfect time, even with having kids, like there wasn't, 
It's like this seemed like an ideal time um, to make all these transitions. And after Matt leave, and it made sense to move at that point, um, and then to open um, my own practice at that point. So, yeah, I felt like right off the bat, I was kind of dealt with the juggling of juggling motherhood and business and time with Pippa. And then I would say kind of another ch a challenge, which I think you probably have this too, Jess, is I have some people say, well, like you're busy in the clinic. Like I have a 30 people on my wait list. It's a three month wait to come in. Why am I doing a podcast? Why am I on social media? Like you don't need to do that to get clients. And I think what's interesting is it misses, it misses kind of the point, like how you talked about being able, like, I want to be able to make a difference in my community locally and in person. And I love that. But there's a part of me that also feels like I need to go beyond that too and help people beyond the community. So yeah, I don't, there's like an inner drive that you just, you can't turn off, but it's, it's a challenge at the same time because it does take a lot of your time and energy to do that. So I'd say that would be a challenge. Um, but I don't see myself like stopping any of that. And the online side that I've started um, and continue to grow, like I'm excited to see that evolve. Um, so my group, the Bump to Birth online program is about preparing you and your pelvic floor and core for birth. And then it goes into mindset and it goes into all different levels, levels of preparing for birth. And I love it. And I love doing that with clients and love doing that one-on-one. -on -one. And so building that into a program has been amazing. So to see that evolve is something uh, I'm excited for. So, yeah. So I'd say those are those are kind of the key challenges. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's also important to mention that we don't make money directly off this podcast. You will hear that I think we've had someone sponsor the podcast for a handful of episodes, but generally speaking, we don't have sponsors. And for a variety of different reasons. One being that it is effort to go and find those sponsors. And we have high standards of the sponsors that we would want to have on the show. So there's difficulties in that too. But again, like you're saying, it is important for us to be able to offer this information to people who might not be able to see you in person or might not be able to access and financially afford our services in some way. So this is a value for us and a value of our businesses. So similar to you, the whole in quotes work life balance thing is tricky, has been tricky, especially tricky now with two children, with a partner, with a marriage, with being your own self and your own person. I think we talked about this on the a recent episode, Who's Taking Care of the Moms, but it's really just feeling like you're doing a lot of caretaking of other people and there is at times a lack of care for your own self because of this deep drive that you have to take care of other people in your life and in your business. And as we we're saying, fitting in the work at all the hours, all the available hours of the day. So mornings, nights, nap times, daytimes, all the stuff. For me, I, 
I also struggle with the mindset of owning a business and the fragility at times of it, like feeling and worrying that this could go away at any time. So really managing my mindset around the business and the feelings that I have about scarcity and uh, trying to turn those into feelings of abundance. But those are real fears for me of wondering, like, if this all goes away, what will I do next? So trying to manage that stuff. And then, like, honestly, just money and resources. Like, I constantly wish that I had a ton more money that I could use in the business to grow it in these wild and big ways. And I believe that will happen one day, but that's not what is happening right now. Um, so yeah, those are some of the challenges for me. The thing that I find so interesting though, is that <clears throat> what you were saying about working those clinic hours, how, you wouldn't work the eve, didn't want to work the evenings and the weekends. I was the same way with personal training, but I'll gladly spend that time working on my own business. That doesn't feel like a challenge, but it did feel like a challenge doing that for somebody else. I think that that is a key, um, <laughs> a key aspect in entrepreneurship. I'd rather work a hundred hours a week for myself versus 40 hours a week for anyone else. So what do you envision the next two to three years of your business development to look like? Mm -hmm. um, so definitely I'll still continue doing my one-on-one -on -one client work. I always, I always see that just continuing on. Um, and, uh, and I also see adding some people to my team um, in terms of um, I had someone just kind of start a bit on contract for some admin work, um, but also you know, bringing on another physio would be great, um, and potentially some other professionals. Um, kind of when the right person who has experience comes, um, I just really think that that would be great, so a great fit. Um, and then I also see the online side. So with that, that program, so rather than building out a bunch of like different programs, like I really wanna focus on this one um, and really, see how it's going to evolve um because i love that it's there for people to do and then we also have similar to yours the private facebook group and we do like live q a sessions um and so i really i just love that whole experience so i'm excited to with that on online stuff see that um evolve over time too and then keep our podcast going and yeah, it's just exciting. I just always see the online and in-person side of my professional life continuing and yeah, seeing how it evolves because it all of, I mean, even since you started online work, it's evolved. So it's hard to say exactly where that will go, but I feel like it's always going to be a part of, part of what I do. Yeah, agreed. Cool. So similar for me, I would love to build my team over the next two to three years. The focus for sure over the next two to three years is going to be on growing to pregnancy and beyond the membership program. I mean, I envision hundreds of members in that group and then hiring coaches to help me work with those people. So that has been actually one of my goals with the Postnatal Fitness Specialist Academy is training these amazing fitness and health professionals and then bringing them onto my team eventually. 
So that will be the focus. Um, I'm keep saying this over the last couple of years, but the prenatal fitness specialist Academy will be a thing eventually. It's probably going to be 2021 at this point, but that will be training people to work with pregnant people in fitness and exercise. And that again has been highly in demand over the last few years, but it is just an extraordinary amount of work to put together these online courses it's a slow process, but it's going to happen. And then more in-person workshops and events. And Anita, I hope that we are hosting our own workshop in many cities over the next couple of years by the time we get to three years and five years too down the road. That would be amazing. All right. So I think that's everything. Anything else that we didn't mention? Um, no, I think that covers it. I would just say um, for people who are listening who are health or fitness professionals and maybe they're kind of wondering uh, what they should do, my one piece of advice is to like to go for it, like to not wait for the opportunity. Even the, when I think back to the clinics I worked in, they weren't actually looking for people. They were not looking for physios, except for one. One was, but the others weren't. And I was like, I knew I wanted to work there. And I just stepped up and I did the work and I approached them and made it happen. So I would say that with entrepreneurship or also if you're thinking of then going to another clinic or anything, just don't wait, just do it. Just do the work and make it happen. I love that. You really do have to step up and you will rise to the occasion. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. You can find any links or resources we discussed in the show notes at tobirthandbeyond.com. And if you enjoyed today's show, we would love for you to leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to the To Birth and Beyond podcast in iTunes or Stitcher. 